when strikes come up, I always start with a question. And the question is, what is something that you feel so strongly about that if it wasn't addressed at work would make you want to walk out and with your coworkers say enough is enough i can't do this anymore and to walk off the job what what is the thing that would motivate you to do that my name is chris wake and i am a union organizer for the united steelworkers union here in pittsburgh pennsylvania Welcome to Subject Matter Tabletop. I'm Jordan Tynes. And I'm Steve Gosler. Thanks for joining us for a uh, round of casual conversation regarding the cultural relevance of tabletop board gaming. And this week, we looked at Strike, a game of worker rebellion. Yeah, that's right. We sat down and played Strike with uh, Chris Wyke, who's a labor organizer with the United Steelworkers here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, And we had a really interesting time and had a fascinating conversation with Chris about uh, the practical challenges that face organizers and workers when they try to um, form unions and especially when they try to um, take the decision about whether or not to strike. In the meantime, though, what have you been playing, Steve? Um, I've been playing a lot lately, which is unusual for me. Um, and I feel like during the school year, I barely ever get to have the time to play as much as I would like. But this past month, I've been playing kind of like crazy. Uh, one game that I played, which you and I have both been looking at for a long time, is called Eschaton, which is this like very sort mm-hmm. of like gothy, um, sort of like has like, you know, black metal vibes um, board game, which blends like deck building with area control, where you're competing to be the most unholy cult at the end of days basically such an unusual combination yeah. for for board games mm-hmm. and one that i hope we can talk about with maybe like a i don't know a cult leader or a satanist or something <laughs> you know later on because it's got that kind of vibe to it but maybe with for, we'll have satan on uh he, that, that would be great <laughs> um if we can track him down or uh, or them down them yeah down. oh dark one um, uh yeah so i mean ashton was a blast i I, I had demoed it with you at Gen Con and we were both kind of impressed with the way it blended those two core mechanics. But actually my takeaway from playing it with a group of friends around the table was less of like a designerly admiration, though I do have admiration for its design. It was more that it was just like a rip roar and good old board game time. Like we were beating, so beating each other up around the map, losing guys, putting guys. We were drawing cards that changed everything and screwed everybody. There's a lot of like real fluky big swings in this event deck that's built into it. It came down Old right to the end. Yeah, everybody was in it. Like it was, you know, there weren't, I don't think there's any dice from memory. So it wasn't like a final dice roll, but it was a final like, oh, it was a final draw, right? From a shuffled deck because we have, we're building decks. So it was like, yeah. if, if Katie hits her card that gives her this ability, this, this hand, then we're all screwed. Um, yeah, that's a, that's yeah. a far cry from the, one of the games I played, which is, uh, so both the games I played were Roll and Rights. Just because, for, I don't know why. One reason was just because I, the Roll and Rights, tend to be in small boxes, right? Roll and rights, just for those who don't know, is like a game that you you oftentimes roll dice and you write on a little sheet of paper. Mm-hmm. And those sheets of paper are usually provided in the board game box. And so the boxes are usually pretty small. They contain very few components. And um, what, so I was packing to go on a camping trip and I was like, what games do I bring? And roll and rights are a good option. So I brought those. 
And we played Welcome to a very classic. Yes. It's actually not a roll and write. It's a flip and write. Flip you're not rolling a dice. You're flipping, flipping cards. Tiles? Oh, cards. And you look at the cards and you see what it is. And, and yeah, I used to be kind of against it because I kind of didn't like the idea of slowly destroying my board game by ripping it up one sheet of paper at a time. <laughs> uh, I kind of got over that. And yeah. um, I I've now kind of like it because... The, the thing about it is that you all take your turn simultaneously, oftentimes in these games, right? We reveal information, new information, roll a dice, flip a card, whatever it may be. Then we all like kind of look on our own player board, our own little sheet of paper and decide what do we want to do with this in, new information. And and so both the games I played, I played Welcome To, and I played a game called Three Sisters. Both of them were rolling rights kind of into them uh so you know, welcome to is like a real estate development theme yeah right yeah so three you, sisters is like a it, you're it's it's a riff on that idea of i think it's beans corn and squash those are the oh, three plants i get it i get it yeah. that you grow together and and so it's a gardening game a, a, a backyard gardening game so um in welcome to are we, what are you writing are you drawing out like the neighborhood plans like you're writing where basically the, where the lots how, are house numbers so uh, you're okay. rolling a dice and you're seeing like you know or you're flipping cards like i said oh, right, 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 right. and you're you're revealing numbers and you have to correspond them with an action mm-hmm. on and and you put them on a house and you have to do it all in order it's it, it's it's good that's cool yeah that sounds fun yeah. i think i always I, I know what you mean about like oh well what happens with this when this runs out it's like when you get like an old card game that comes with a score sheet yeah. Pad and it's like, well, what do we? Yeah. We'll just never play this game again after we play it two hundred times. Yeah. Like, Buy you know, again. granted, if I ever played any game two hundred times, it would be money well spent. Um, That's right. But uh, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I know what you mean about that aversion from rolling rights, though. You played um, another game, I, I think, right with that involving a house. Oh yes, very much so. I played uh, a game that I have been sort of like eyeing. Uh, from the wings, if you will, f- since mm-hmm. 2019, which I've been um, sort of ignoring because uh, I played it once and I didn't like uh, it. Yeah, you played. Did you play the Mysterious Manor or no, the original, the Ridge, the Ridge? Yeah, and we're talking about Vast, folks. Vast, the first title from Leader Games, which was their first sort of like big game that they published. I think it's not their technically their first title, but it was their yeah, first right. one that had success. Trick uh, or Treat was their first. That's title. right. Yeah, um, and Mysterious Manor is the follow up to the original, and I've never played the original, but I hear tell that. Mysterious Manor is like a little bit more streamlined, a little bit easier to sort of onboard people, but yeah. doesn't doesn't sacrifice the core tenets of what Vast is about, which is pure asymmetry. Uh, so it's a, it's a tile laying game, which is fun. I don't play a lot of those. Like I haven't been, I haven't. I think the last yeah. time I enjoyed a tile laying game this much was maybe Carcassonne, like yeah. six seven years ago when I first played that game. Um, and this game is better than Carcassonne, I think, uh, because it's just uh, so much more involved. Um, but it is involved. That was probably the biggest the biggest yeah. hurdle was like, oh, okay, teach. I have to learn five rule sets and then send out little homework packets to the three players that are playing with me because they're nice enough to agree to play this game and they agreed that I would send them a packet that they could read yeah, beforehand. Right, right. And then when we showed up, it was like, okay, so... Uh, you know, player one, do you have any questions about the spider? The spider's kind of intense. There's three different forms you can take and you can switch at any point. And all the three forms have different rules and all three rule sets are different from everybody else's. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. Right. But I put in that time, I made an event out of it. We were going to play on Saturday. So I spent all day Thursday night and Friday just like learning vast, uh, the mysterious manner. And when we played, we had an absolute blast. I mean, I, I had an absolute blast. I think everybody yeah. else did too. Um, you played it under ideal circumstances. If you can get a group of people to like read a little bit about it ahead mm-hmm. of time, you know, that's any time a game where you have 
roles for different people send them a homework packet get mm-hmm. them to, to to learn it the, nothing's worse though than the person who agrees to that and then shows up and, and doesn't like, do it <laughs> didn't do it um well thanks i didn't so didn't do the reading all. yeah, yeah no. right <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh there's there's a little bit of a teacher in, in us i think for more than one reason that's, but, that's uh, right we're, we're, we're at the end of a long year folks. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. uh but yeah when people do their homework it, it really sings i love the design i think vast is super fun it's also like a fun like spooky haunted house like uh sort of sort of a blend of like high fantasy and scooby-doo sort of vibes um which was really great right. for, you know for me personally i enjoyed that that blend of theming so i liked hanging out with the pieces and looking at the stuff it's the kind of game that well that's the case with all leader games yeah right exactly um, i just want to hang out and touch it yeah I, I want them to produce like web series animated shorts in the world of vast the mysterious manner i want to watch yeah. like a a 10-minute animation that is either inspired by or drawn by Kyle Farron of the Paladin, like walking through haunted hallways of a yeah. house. Can yeah. someone make that happen? Do we have a budget for that Please. at Leader? Yeah. Uh, Kickstart it. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed playing it. But the one thing I would say is, like, after having learned it, I now just want to play it all the time to make it worth it. Like, <laughs> And I feel that about that way about a lot of their games, that they really... Yeah you really get the most out of them when you not only learn them or teach a group, but then can, can organize a way to play with that group over and over again. So you really like cash out the time you put in. Well, that's good. Is there, is there anything else you want to touch base on before we switch over to uh, our conversation with Chris? Um, You know, I don't, I mean, there's more I could say. I also played Star Wars Rebellion, but uh, that's a whole other conversation, maybe for another day. I played Star Wars Rebellion, was, I'll say in, in 10 seconds, or, or maybe 20 seconds. Yesterday was May the 4th. I played Star Wars Rebellion. It took four and a half hours. I kind of loved it. <laughs> I kind of hated it. I don't know if I ever want to play it again. This morning when I woke up, I thought, maybe I should play that again soon. So yeah. there it is. <laughs> So we'll have an episode on Fantasy Flight at some point. We'll yeah. we'll we'll get dig into that. Yeah, because there's a lot to say. Yeah, because it's we feel, we have strong feelings about that. Anyway, I am looking forward to our conversation with Chris and hearing what he has to say about Strike Worker Rebellion. Yeah, a game of Worker Rebellion. Me too. Uh, it was a fun game to play, uh, and it was a really. Um, a really interesting conversation that we had with Chris too. I thought it was like very educational for both of us, but it was mm-hmm. also thought provoking. I learned a lot. Um, I think I commented at the time that it, this is a hard hitting episode of mm-hmm. um, subject mm-hmm. matter tabletop. So it's a little I, deeper. I think it is hard hitting, but uh, the game was fun. We made robot noises. We killed some happy droids. Commercials yeah. suck. You know. Yeah. Brace, buckle in. Yeah. Here comes some robot noises. <laughs> So just to start off, Chris, I would love for you, we would love for you to give us a couple of different versions of an introduction. Yeah, so uh, my day-to-day work is oftentimes we'll have workers reach out to us at the United Steelworkers, and it's my job to support and kind of facilitate their effort to join together with your, their coworkers to improve things about their job to uh, protect the things that they like about their work and to help them realize that there uh, is a plan and a path uh, that they can follow to form kind of a lasting institution uh, to achieve those things. So we're in Pittsburgh Mm -hmm. and 
very well known for its steel. So yes. it makes sense that uh, in some level that you are working for, on their behalf or with them, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that the better way to say it? Is with them, not on their behalf? Yes. Or how does that work? Yes. Uh, yeah, that's something that um, we you know train new organizers to think about in our role is... We being the USW? Yes, we being United Steelworkers uh, trains new organizers to really be conscious of the role that they're playing um with workers right because it's not our workplace it's not our job uh they are the experts in their workplace the workers are and our expertise is in labor law in the process that they can follow the resources that they have available to them as uh workers trying to form a labor union and so, yes, our, our role is one of support, facilitating, helping, uh, pointing the way, but not ever doing it on their behalf or for them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because that wouldn't work. It always starts with, you know, one, two, three workers coming together, uh, identifying things that they would like to see changed or protected or improved at their work. Sometimes at that point, they reach out to the United Steelworkers and they end up talking to someone like me. And my advice is always then for them to go back to their workplace to continue talking to other co-workers to see how broadly those issues are felt or held so that they have a full understanding of what the range of issues are in their workplace Then over time, if they find that indeed there are sets of shared issues that could be addressed through forming a labor union, then uh, I'll often hold a meeting with them and kind of talk through the the affiliation process. And uh, we always encourage workers to explore a number of different labor unions because, Mm. you know, different unions work differently. They have different approaches to the organizing process. They have different structures in terms of how uh, the different groups of workers that form unions come together as local unions, as bargaining units, how they work together and get resources within the larger international unions that they might want to affiliate with. And so I always encourage them to do their homework, right, to find the right fit. What kind of background does someone like you need to be an effective person in your role, a professional in your role that that sort of works people through this process? Mm-hmm. I, I think that it helps to have uh, some overall interest in politics, in labor history, mm. um, because that kind of helps put the work in kind of a larger context and perspective. Um, But really the core skill is being a good listener and having genuine interest in people's experiences, both uh, at work, but also just as people, Um, because, uh, you know, in capitalism, uh, work doesn't just affect what happens in the workplace Mm -hmm. where we might find ourselves, but it cuts through and permeates every part of our lives and how, you know, our experiences are structured. Uh, So asking people questions is a core skill. And then giving people the space to share their experiences so that then you can help them understand 
what your expertise is in, which is, you know, the, the process and how forming a union, taking these steps can actually transform mm. their experience. The theme strike, striking perhaps, or this action is, how does that fit in with uh, your work experience? Strikes uh, is like the, the, big, the big one. The, the ultimate uh, weapon the big one. yeah that <laughs> workers have access to um, and uh, I've been a professional union organizer now for four years I have never directly worked on a strike hmm. uh, but it's something that comes up in every organizing campaign that I've been associated with uh, because strikes are something that you know, the general public knows about and has heard about and that employers will use uh, the ideas of strikes to frighten workers into not wanting to form a union or to at least think twice. Strikes are a regular topic of conversation for my work uh, and that I have to, you know, talk through with people about how, yes, strikes are very scary Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's my impression that striking, right, that kind of direct action is really a last resort. No, I think that's a a fair representation of the the history and kind of the role of the strike. It is kind of like the atomic option Mm -hmm. for workers, right? Because uh, when either uh, workers are trying to form a new union, um, they have, you know, access typically to an election process where... They could vote, Hmm. uh, a majority could vote to form a union that then, uh, by law, the employer is supposed to recognize. But again, this whole process of organizing, of workers coming together in this collective body that we call a union and having strikes as kind of the final option, all of it is about power, worker power. And even the threat of a strike is often enough to uh, get workers what they're they're trying to achieve. When you talk with people about strikes, mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you talk to them about? Right? What? What? And are there? Are you ever ever trying to like set expectations for what people could expect if they go down this route and mm-hmm. this disruptive path of? The atomic option. Listening, I think, is the the core skill of an organizer, a union organizer. And so when strikes come up, I always start with a question. And the question is, what is something that you feel so strongly about that if it wasn't addressed at work would make you want to walk out? And with your coworkers, say, enough is enough. I can't do this anymore. And to walk off the job. What, what is the thing that would motivate you to do that? And so it's, it is putting them in the space to think about, oh, there may be safety, right? Mm. Not knowing if I'm going to be able to go home to my family at the end of the work day because things are so unsafe, that's something that would motivate me to walk off the job. That's how that works. And again, it's a, it's a democratic process, 
right? It's you and your coworkers making the choice to strike and to take that vote. And you can't, you know, an effective strike can't happen with 50% plus one people wanting to strike. It It takes 90%, 98% of workers in a particular workplace or across, you know, multiple workplaces saying we can't uh, accept this. We need to walk out. Are issues like mental health and well-being also coming more into the, the conversation as a an issue like the one you're talking about? Like we cannot continue going at the rate that we're doing because it's causing some sort of uh, emotional or uh, mental I- illness in the workplace or, or cre- has potential to create that. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a great point and something that we're seeing right now, you know, March 2022 uh, is in places like hospitals, mm-hmm. nursing homes, schools, as a result of COVID-19, right, is not just physical safety and making sure that people who are in these, you know, public institutions that bring them in contact with lots of people every day and often sick people by necessity uh, is it's not only just that physical safety, but also the mental toll that putting yourself on the line like that every day and having to deal with these constantly shifting, you know, policies Uh, and requirements and public health, you know, messages is that uh, nurses have gone on strike in Massachusetts, in West Virginia. There's currently, uh, I think in the past couple weeks, a teacher's, another teacher's strike in Minneapolis, St. Paul, where they're striking not only over their own mental health, but also the mental health of their students. And this is also kind of a new approach to uh, collective bargaining. So the contract negotiation process uh, that we have been seeing over the last, you know, decade, decade and a half is what's called bargaining for the public good. So workers not only, you know, wanting to go to negotiate things at the bargaining table that benefit themselves, but also various constituencies like students. So can you tell us a little bit about the different kinds of workplaces or workers um, that USW represents or the different workplaces in which you've organized workers? The the full name of United Steelworkers is actually United Steel, Paper and Forestry, Rubber, Manufacturing, Energy, Allied Industrial and Service Workers International Union, AFL-CIO, CLC. That's a mouthful. Yeah, do you have that whole acronym memorized? <laughs> I do. I do have that that memorized. Uh, Should make t-shirts with that running down the sleeve. Yeah. Yeah. You need both sleeves. <laughs> yeah. I have a question about the we're gonna get into the game now yeah. a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, um, let's do it. The game here has certain types of workers being represented. Not even I mean, I wouldn't say they're everybody's doing a certain type of labor. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. some of them are getting paid for it. Some of them are paying amount, a significant amounts of money, namely this, the university student probably yeah. is paying a lot who, of money to do that. Who might also later. be working part-time. Pro- probably, know. probably. They're certainly partying because that's one of the, fa- the actions you can take. Yeah, they can throw a party, um, which is pretty fun. 
so to sort of transition between what we we're just talking about and and these roles, why are certain roles sort of in in our society more associated with unions than others? A lot has come down to the role of the government mm. in labor law uh, and what is enabled or disabled through you know, government intervention, basically, uh, and times in which the road was made more clear for some workers over other workers. And so up until the 1970s, uh, public sector workers could not legally form a union. Uh, and so it wasn't until the 1970s that there was a kind of burgeoning of, you know, federal and state workers forming unions, um, were teachers there, unions. Were uh, there strikes involved in, in that, that process? Yeah, there were strikes involved in that process. Before that, it was, you know, manufacturing primarily where you saw in heavy industry where you saw unions. Right. Um, hmm. But I, especially through the 20th century into the 21st century, government... Uh, intervention either for or against workers coming together has been pretty pretty determinative in the success of those organizing efforts i get the sense that this type of organizing and these types of actions aren't strictly don't fit squarely within our typical understanding our contemporary understanding of biparty politics yes that they they can be very bipartisan. Mm -hmm. mm. No, that's a, that's a great point. And so even like the union that I work for, the United Steelworkers, is you know not clearly right in uh, allied with one political party over another. The interests that the United Steelworkers forwards and tries to fight for is the interest of the working members of the organization, which are, you know, uh, I would not put myself in either, you know, like a democratic party or Republican party camp or, you know, category. I think that that organizing process, you know, bringing workers together to, to get, you know, talk about the things that matter to them on the ground is a way to overcome some of that divide. Uh, and I, and I think striking is one of like the great examples of why that work is so necessary, because if you're pitting Republican workers versus Democratic workers, uh, white workers against black workers, this department against this department in a workplace, separating out different kinds of work, a strike is never going to be effective. Uh, it requires unity around shared goals. And those are typically, you know, the things that matter to workers, whatever mm -hmm. their actual, like, stated political position actually is. Uh, and so one of the things that I love most about my job and is kind of the magical part of things like strikes is that this work is is transformative and the experience of you know being on a picket line with people that you otherwise don't associate with or you know 
maybe under other contacts we're actually you know on the other side of an issue with but making those connections building kind of the interconnecting relationships that something like a union something like a picket line requires of you changes people's lives this is a heavy hitting episode of subject matter tabletop we'll talk about how this game deals with that that <laughs> yeah well yeah, yeah pretty heavy now let's heavy gamify hit. this right. topic what are your expectations of a game about striking i know you've read the rule book and done a little bit of research into this but but perhaps try to put yourself back into that um mindset before you had read that rule book what were your expectations for a game called all caps exclamation point strike yeah so i have to admit that i was a little apprehensive playing a game called strike and going into it my expectations would be that it would either be super corny or kind of miss the mark in Mm. terms of actually taking strikes seriously you know as for what they are right people walking out of work taking putting you know their livelihoods on the line not getting paid so so that was kind of like my concern just coming in entirely blind is like oh i hope (laughs) i hope this takes strikes as seriously as they actually are what about a game like this would you hope somebody takes away from the experience uh, and and maybe learns a little bit of something about strikes or striking i hope it's cooperative i hope it doesn't pit the players against one another uh i hope the work of the game uh requires you know relying on different skill sets or abilities of either you know the participants or the characters right so that you know people are able to contribute their own strengths to kind of the collective undertaking of the strike cooperative game design is fairly new in relationship to board games there's not it's i think a kind of a new concept right? monopoly right is the game that's yeah. been used in this new in, this in, show. The, in the historical sense right. yeah yeah like recent in the history of games and play very right. very recent yeah. right and it's um there have been i think some probably historically there are games or let's say playful activities not mm. necessarily structured games mm. that are cooperative of course we do things on the playground all the time that are sure. cooperative sure. but when we're just thinking about sitting down around a table like we are today, the idea of a cooperative game is fairly new. It is hugely popular now. Yeah, right? it's huge. I yeah. feel like maybe two out of every three games that are coming out oh, this wow. last couple of years have some cooperative yeah. element to them. I would say at least like half of every really like every if you had like ten really popular games for that year, five of them would be co-ops. Totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's. I think people are using them as like sort of a gateway to the the, mm-hmm. the genre of of modern gaming uh, mm-hmm. which i think is a separate genre now than mm-hmm. than sort of historical games and so it's a, i think it's an important thing to highlight when you're saying that right you have some experience gaming so um it's it, it is a you perhaps a unique experience for people who are fairly new to the idea of and tabletop gaming. In terms of the like brief history of tabletop gaming, one of the games that 
sort of really led the charge for this this sort of like uh, what would you call this like surge and in interest in co-op gaming was the game pandemic right which it came out in i don't know off the top of my head the year maybe 2004 or 5 or something early like 2000 that, right or, yeah um and it is a game that operates and we'll see that you know spoiler alert that this game functions in very similar ways but it operates just in the ways that chris was just saying he hoped this game would operate so everybody has their own unique abilities they have to come together work together plan together to in that game stop the spread of virulent diseases across the world, um, which has enjoyed just massive success. I mean, there are so, how many pandemics are there out there now? And then they created the whole legacy line, which pioneered legacy gaming. And so, so anyways, that's, yeah. that's really the archetype of the co-op game. And this is very much in that vein. Are you hopeful that a game, not necessarily this one that we're looking at right now, but a game about striking can teach something about the process of, of striking, like how to do it and how to do it responsibly? Yeah, I think that games could have a role like that. And I think even just kind of exposing people to the idea of a strike, what the goals of a strike are, is a win, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, a lot for a lot of people their only you know knowledge or experience of a strike is like hearing about a teacher strike on the news or right missing their prom because of a teacher strike and just having that be like a personal grievance that they <laughs> hold against uh, the teachers for the rest of their lives and the idea of striking and the idea of striking mm-hmm. and so yeah i think the games just kind of exposing people to the the role that a strike can play but also kind of the amount of work and preparation that goes into a strike Mm -hmm. uh because that's like the real the real thing is happening behind the scenes in kind of the preparation building new connections between people finding people who are already leaders in their workplaces and giving them you know, the role and responsibility of helping to lead their co-workers in these actions. That's actually the real work of the strike. And then the picket line or the walkout is just a measurement huh. of that work, hmm. right? The uh, organizer and now I think academic um, Jane McAlevey, who worked for SEIU, Service Employees International Union, for many years, um, call strikes the ultimate structure test uh, because it is just about building power and building a workplace structure that then a strike action is a measurement yeah. of that structure, You'll right? How out. successful you were yeah. at building it. Uh, okay, but so just in general, like, what do you make of these player player like character designs? Really, is what they are, right? What do you, what do you make of these character designs? Do you think they is this what the working class looks like? Yeah. So the in, immediate thing that I noticed is on the character cards as well as the strike cards that we will use uh, throughout the game. Uh, the workers are represented primarily as being minorities. Many of them women. Uh, you know, represented as kind of leading the way on the strike cards, which uh, is, you know, the working class uh, is, you know, majority woman, majority uh, people of color, minorities. 
Um, and those are also the people who are more predisposed to be in favor of labor unions in general. Uh, mm. They have higher favorability of, you know, seeing a union, forming a union as a, a way of improving their conditions. Could you just tell us a little bit about your history with board gaming? Just your player profile, if you will. I have always been a board gamer. Um, as a kid, uh, that's something that my dad especially encouraged us to do. Uh, and, you know, Monopoly was a big one. Shoots and ladders. Um, but the unique thing for me as a kid playing board games with my dad is that he hated rule books. Oh, wow. And so uh, we might read parts of it the first time, and then it was a process of him generating uh, his own set of rules that House we had to, to play by. <laughs> uh, and so that was very challenging when I would go over to friends' houses to play these board games that I was familiar with uh, and to learn that they have entirely different rules uh, than what my dad was having us play by. Uh, so that was my early board game experience. It was my dad just, you know, making up his version of, of things for fun. Yeah. I'm personally and sort of ideologically very excited about the idea of localization of board game rules and mm -hmm. how they break the rules of mm. the game in, in service of a perhaps house. more enjoyable experience. Your pro house rules. Oh, yeah. Big booster of house rules. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, go house rules. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Should we make up some house rules for strike today while we play it? Might have yeah. to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we'll see. Now it's time for the two-minute teach, where we explain the game briefly, go over the rule set, and talk about a few key aspects before we sit down to play it. In Strike, players take on the role of workers struggling against corporate power in a cyberpunk dystopia. Set in the fictional Mercury City, they cooperate to build a movement, fight back, and of course, stage successful strikes. Workers must leverage their unique abilities to coordinate actions while responding to the anti-union efforts of the omnipresent Happy Corp, the richest company in the world who has just unveiled plans to privatize the entire city. Strike is a race to 15 points. Players score points by completing strike cards that require them to build a critical mass of workers at various districts across the city, such as Restaurant Row, the Manufacturing District, the Park, or City Hall. Each turn, Happy Corp can also score points by spawning Megadrones in districts where their presence has gone unchecked. But there's a catch. As the workers' score increases, strikes become more difficult to accomplish, and Happy Corp's countermeasures also become more severe, creating a tense but exhilarating race to the finish. On a player's turn, they choose from a short list of core actions. Grow ranks, mobilize, disassemble, and draw. They use these actions like resources, limited to four per turn. Growing ranks recruits new workers to the movement. Mobilizing moves workers between connected districts, and the disassemble action destroys drones in any location where the player has enough worker presence. The last core action, draw, allows players to obtain strike cards. These cards stipulate a location and a combination of core actions. Players must execute these actions at the location shown on the card in order to score points for the workers. 
After each player's turn, workers must endure a commercial break from Happy Corp. Commercial breaks are represented by a deck of cards that contain thematic events such as anti-labor PR campaigns and privatized welfare schemes. These events sap player resources and limit their future actions. Commercial breaks also spawn new happy drones across the map using a die roll. Each time a drone is spawned in a district where workers are present, those players must either lose a worker or one energy. If a district ever contains three drones, a mega drone is created and replaces them. Mega drones score Happy Corp points when they appear and are more difficult for workers to disassemble. If Happy Corp is ever unable to place a new mega drone when needed as a result of short supply, they automatically win the game. Ultimately, players will only be able to strike their way to victory if they can work together to score 15 points while outlasting the tide of drones and corporate propaganda that threatens to take over their city. Strike incorporates asymmetry as a key element of its cooperative gameplay. At the beginning of the game, each player receives a unique player board. These boards are representative of different types of workers within the city. For example, during our play session with Chris, we played with characters representing cashier clerks, factory workers, and university students. Each player board describes what actions a player can take on their turn based on a unique distribution of core action availabilities. For instance, Valentina, the factory worker, can perform the disassemble action three times each turn, but can only grow ranks once. Similarly, Hamza, the university student, can take each of the four actions twice per turn. This creates variable abilities between players, even within the core actions. The player board also lists two special actions, which only that player can take. For example, New, the cashier, can distribute food, which allows them to grow ranks in two districts of the city instead of one. Some of these special actions can only be performed if the player has achieved a high enough energy level during their turn. These powerful actions are rarely used since energy is hard to come by, but they often provide a significant boost to the player's team. In addition to scoring, each time a strike is completed, the players also draw an ally card. Ally cards give the workers access to certain one-time benefits, enabling them to take special actions or provide energy to themselves and their fellow workers. Before the card is drawn, the player must decide who will receive it. Since each player is only allowed to hold four cards at one time, this decision is often strategic and involves weighing factors such as each player's position on the board, their current strike goals, and relative hand size. First player is determined by whoever shouted at their boss most recently. I have yelled at bosses before. Oh. Yeah, when I oh, worked. Oh, so then that would be you. Okay. Yeah, you go okay. first. Yeah. Okay. When I was working in retail, uh, I had a particularly bad boss uh, who I had no problem yelling at. Rate your drone experience. I'm giving drones uh, zero out of five stars. That's That is the sound of a mega drone coming down your street. Nobody. Nobody loses one energy. Ha! <laughs> Take that, Happy Corp. Mega drone in the I harbor. I am a mega drone harbor bot. Okay. Well, I am mega happy doozy. Mega drones suck. I hate seeing them on the board. Yeah. Mega drones are mega cool. No, they're not. 
Well, it seems wise for me to to start moving some of Valentina's uh, factory worker comrades yeah. from. We'll need at least two. The and district then, up uh, to. Or you'll need three actually, and I can leave two behind. Yeah, correct. If we don't get up, shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> shut it down. Dang up with the That's perfect. Lever level two. So. Hey, guess who's winning now, Happy Corp? Yeah. Yeah. The workers. Guess. Now you're thinking like Valentina. Yeah. yeah. Gotta get in the role. Error. Error. Does not compute. System failure. The harbor. Yeah. Triple, triple strike the harbor. Ooh, do okay. it. Do it, baby. Mayday protests. Okay. Commercial break. Commercial break. Can we skip it? Yeah. No. Can we, can we tune out of this commercial break? Well, glue your eyelids open. <laughs> Nine? Nine. Nine is um, the stadium. stadium. Oh, no. no. Right. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I can lose this. It's one. not okay. I don't I, I don't have any. No. Point there. One point. We're at 14. We are one point away from winning the game. To your next one turn. One more round. Yeah. We'll win. You lose energy per level. So, joke's on you. I'm at zero. Roll one time oh total. Oh, my goodness. Oh, one wow. time total. I got excited. <laughs> Roll one time total. You have a turn, and then we have to roll three times, and if we survive that, we'll win the game. We won not just one victory, we, many victories. We won many strikes. Yeah. Yeah. All the all the bots are going haywire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How would you describe the, the story of this game? The story is basically like making sure that the workers are coordinating against or with one another yeah and making sure that like we're we're putting our our energy and time into the you know those strategic positions what's missing from this story what would what would be parts of the story that we're not getting from from this game uh, i think the the piece that kind of i was missing is the relationship building aspect of like strike prep and uh, kind of the work of building connections between workers Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. kind of necessary work. I'm not sure how that would function in a like, you know, pandemic style cooperative game um, because it is kind of like a defensive, you know, war of attrition kind of model that they're using and i think that's probably the the piece for me that's that's missing is i don't know some kind of mm. element of mm. uh you know comparing yeah. worker stories mm-hmm. and finding you know e- there's either barriers to building those right. re- connections or you know overcoming yeah. barriers to build well, that was one of the things you mentioned that was like one of the core skills or core, core aspects of your work listening to people listening to their stories asking questions connecting people's stories yeah and that's one of the things that i was actually eager to talk to you about after playing this game before we sat down with you i thought well okay this is interesting as you just put it it's a pandemic style attrition endurance test that uses cooperative gameplay but the cooperative gameplay right is premised on the assumption that we're all in this together. Right. But what I've learned just in casual conversations with you about your work off mic and today, right, is that often the real work, not of striking necessarily, not of taking action, but of organizing so that you are in a position to take successful actions, 
it doesn't begin from the premise that we're all in this together. It begins from the premise that it's every person for themselves. And you have to kind of unpack or deconstruct that mm -hmm. social relation that people have you know, internalized to build, to make transformative connections, as you were talking about earlier, right? Right. Um, but I don't know what that game looks like. It doesn't look like this, it right? It doesn't, yeah, it yeah. doesn't really look like this. It looks like something else mm. uh, because, um, yeah, it, it is kind of, as you said, like assuming the the work has already been done mm -hmm. uh and that the the workers know that they're in it together and united against happy core mm -hmm. um but really right is like that's that's the hard work mm -hmm. and kind of building power and getting people to realize uh where they you know can take calculated risk yeah uh, to reach their goals and where, you know, it's not smart to take that kind of calculated what was risk. The, what was the phrase you mentioned before? Structure test? Yeah, Stress a structure test. test. Yeah. Well, right. I'm trying to think, because something you mentioned earlier is this idea of co-op. And, and mm -hmm. I think oftentimes I have this experience with co-op games mm -hmm. where the the entity you're playing against feels faceless, feels like a little dehumanized mm -hmm. in some way, mm -hmm. right? And it's in this game portrayed as this uh, very void, like this like void of like robotic, yeah, you know, capitalism. Well, right? Precisely dehumanized, right? right? It's not just faceless, it's robots. Right. Right, yeah. And I kind of wonder if a, a game like this, if it were to be a maybe a one versus all, Right where you there was some negotiation mm. with like if, if there was one person sitting in this in the seat of controlling the corporation yeah. mm -hmm. and trying to stamp out the the strike that would create a different dynamic even between the players who were working together mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe there were like you, I, there are games where you in even in that situation where you have one versus all, you have a, um, it, there are individual win conditions, mm -hmm. right? So if you, the strike could be successful, but then each individual has a separate win condition. Yeah. And that, I think that might do the thing that you're asking for, bring together that. Um, right, because there is like the collective goal, but there's also, unless workers are able to connect that to a deeply felt motivation mm -hmm. for themselves it's not going to work mm -hmm. right unless you're able to help build those connections mm -hmm. um because a strike is a big risk right yeah. and there's safety in in going out together and doing that but the thing that gets people to move beyond that initial level of discomfort and fear is anger Right. And it takes a lot of motivation, right, mm. to have mm. the kind of anger that can move you beyond mm -hmm. mm. fear, real what, fear. Yeah. What would you walk off the job yeah, for? Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. That's interesting. But at the same time, I mean, you were also remarking on several of the special actions mm -hmm. um, and the things like this that did reflect in the ally cards in particular you liked a lot. Yeah. Insofar as they refre reflect um, what pieces of structure need to be in place mm -hmm. before you start taking these kinds of collective direct actions if they are to be successful. Right. Um, but the game doesn't model how you get there. It just models a simulation in which you have to leverage them and deal with challenges. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's kind of in process. Yeah. Yeah. 
But yeah. I really like Jordan's idea of a one versus all in this other sense too, because it would also add more depth to to what's actually happening on the other side of yeah. the labor organizing, right? Because that player, in order for them to have a meaningful experience, would have to be doing more than just spawning drones. So they would have like a set of things they can do. And that would actually probably bring in a lawyer team, uh, you know, the police, which was another aspect of this that I, when I was playing it for the first time, thought, huh. I mean, obviously it's sort of near future sci-fi dystopia so that the police are like the happy drones or whatever. But in reality, we're doing things like, what are some of these cards? One of them is like, um, set up a protest camp. We all saw what happened when Occupy Wall Street set up a protest camp. Um, where's another one? Block Happy Corp delivery trucks. Mm-hmm. Um, shut down Happy Corp stores. Uh, take over the park. Um, take over the bridge. Shut down the port. Right When these sorts of things happen, the legal framework of private property kicks into gear and law enforcement is dispersed to protect the rights of private property if the workers who don't own the port attempt to take it over, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's what the drones are supposed to model. But in just a, a, like in a, in a different way, that was one thing that I thought was sort of, it was a missed opportunity to really think about the conflict. Uh, maybe, maybe it would have made the game less fun. <laughs> like I think the happy drones are an attempt to make it fun. Yeah. Right? I don't know. Yeah, yeah so uh, that's a question I have for you. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that sort of it's the satirical nature of some of this, the, the cards and things like that? Is it, is this the kind of thing that, is that, corporate power greed uh th- those strategies is it not an appropriate way to portray that i mean how, how do you how did that make you feel as you were playing it i mean i actually had um less of a problem with that than i th- than i thought i was going to have kind of in my initial reaction to like you know the smiley face stuff and kind of this um corporate faceless thing mm-hmm. and kind of uh, the strong reaction. I think, I mean, it's good to have like a clear message of difference, you know, between this is our position as the workers and this is what, uh, the employer, what the corporation is, is is saying. And these are why these things are not true. Um, I think that even though it seemed outlandish with some of the cards and kind of like a little, uh, stretch of the imagination and a little silly at points. Uh, really, some of the messages are exactly those that get, you know, trotted out as, you know, like corporate PR attempts at gaining public favor, uh, turning the public interest against the workers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah. Yeah. So the yeah. tone isn't necessarily a distraction for you from the, the greater no, no. message, which is. Yeah, this th- those strategies can be kind of screwed up, mm-hmm. and and they yeah. they they can be very intentionally screwed up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, screwed up is stand-in for a lot of other words. Yeah, I could be saying yeah, right yeah, there. right. Yeah, there's one other thing that came to mind uh, in the process of playing this that I I thought a lot about that is maybe kind of on like the what is this missing about the story is a lot of my work as an organizer, and I think the the work of workers who are trying to organize toward a strike is how to deal with coworkers who are ambivalent or afraid or outright against the idea of a strike, because that's ultimately the work of organizing is moving the people in the middle to your side and helping them to find a place 
uh, both in the union, but it also like the work that needs to be done and they can have a meaningful contribution to is maybe the one versus all kind of model is more appropriate to that kind of story, hmm. right? Of like what, how, to, like well, the, dealing with yeah. scabs, people crossing right. a, a picket line, right. uh, in the lack of solidarity. Like, how do you build inducements? Solidarity. Right? Like the one yeah. player and the one versus all could have inducements mm-hmm. they could use yeah. to get people to cross picket lines. They mm-hmm. could have a whole suite of like special powers, like mm-hmm. I was mentioning, like legal teams and you know public public opinion campaigns or police actions, etc. Um, but you know, we don't want to just like redesign. No, well, no, and, no, no. And I also, that's, that's, I think <laughs> something yeah. that's missing from a lot of games, right. And, and yeah. maybe kind of always will be when you, when you have a subject as broad as striking, mm-hmm. which is pretty huge, right. It, it's always going to need to be summative of yeah. that, of that subject. And so it's going to miss some things It will miss some nuance. It won't have some of those details you want. We can maybe make a game all about just a picket line. Yeah. Just right. one yeah. small Just part. Picket line, the game, uh, for right? Sure. Yeah, you know, and you could then have like a lot of more nuance about that subject. I mean, it's mm. the same with anything. Mm-hmm. Right? If you may write a movie about the entirety of World War II. <laughs> Right. right. It's yeah. going to be less nuanced than just one battle or right. one day of World mm-hmm. War II. Yeah. Right. And and so, I think I think we're picking up on some of that, and it's not necessarily a criticism of this game because I think, broad strokes wise, it seemed it seemed like it grew on you a little yeah. bit. No, it it absolutely did. And uh, one of the things that was frustrating for us as players and mm-hmm. kind of especially as we approach the end point here is right. How thin our workers were getting across the board. And there was like this growth of, you know, the corporation's power and we could feel like how close we were to victory. Uh, And I think that that is actually like a really meaningful kind of thing is that hopefully, you know, when you're building toward a strike, and uh, you're getting more and more people involved, you have built into that, right, kind of like a crescendo. And -hmm. hopefully at the moment of your crescendo, right, you've built enough power that you can get whatever concession from the employer that you need. But as the longer the strikes are going on, that's the point at which you start to see, like, people, right, you can only hold out so long. right. Mm -hmm. Uh, in your kind of staying power. Yeah, we, uh, towards the end, became much more... Very thin. We we crescendoed right through here. Mm -hmm. And And then it was, okay, if we can't hang on and get these last four points, they are going to win. Yeah. Yeah, Um, Yeah. we we mid-game felt like, oh, we got this. No mm -hmm. problem. We Like, Mm -hmm. we we saw our little machine was starting to go. And actually, the game did a great job responding to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. It, okay, it picked up the, the steam. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, or the, the sort of countermeasures, I guess, that we were, we were doing. And, um, and yeah, we were forced to uh, scramble. We mm-hmm. also got lucky. So mm-hmm. that's another thing I would be interested to hear you talk about yeah, yeah. Um, to try and bridge the gaps between like your own experience of organizing and this gameplay is we hit uh, three, four. Uh, commercial breaks towards the end of the game when we were in that last stretch I was talking about like north of 10 points where instead of being roll per level which would have been three rolls it was roll once or twice and that actually is just down to the uncertainty of the shuffle of the deck right Uh, and there's a lot Mm -hmm. of uncertainty in this game in general 
that's one big element. But then, of course, these two decks are shuffled as well, and you're rolling that die all the time. Yeah. And so I wonder what you what you make of that or what you could make of that for us. And when you think about the uncertainty you mentioned about earlier, you were saying, you know, striking is a really big risk and it's, you have to have the structure in place, but you also have to have the proper motivation and the solidarity, et cetera, to really make it worth it to put you to expose yourself and your family and your livelihood and your communities to this kinds of risk. Yep. And there's a lot of risk in this game. There's a lot of just like, well, we have to roll the dice. Mm -hmm. We have to draw a card. Um, so I wonder if that, how that might track for you or if, if that, you no. know, what do you make of that? No, that definitely tracks um, in organizing, union organizing in general, is that, you know, one of the things that we know for sure, like we never make promises to workers about like what they'll get in their contracts, right? Because that's up to them. That's up to the power that they build to see how much they're able to actually achieve at the bargaining table. And so that's not something I can't make promises about. But the one thing I can make a promise about is that there's going to be surprises hmm. that happen in an organizing campaign. There's hmm. going to be surprises that happen when you launch a strike. And so the work is basically to build this strong, resilient structure hmm. that is like responsive to those kind of, you hmm. know, chance and, uh, you know, shocks. Um, so like, when the moment comes, you have the ability to move quickly and respond mm -hmm. when, you know, the employer fires five of your strike leaders. You're right. Right? Is that you have to have built something that's able to respond to that. And that that's not like a death blow to all that work. So the part of part of the thing, one of the resources that is constantly being depleted is is energy right and just yeah. hearing you talk about all this stuff i'm like that sounds exhausting yeah totally. Uh, yeah. <laughs> totally. yeah. um and so but the energy specifically i think maybe relates to some of the things that we've been talking about and what, what do you see that as the sort of the real world counterpart to that yeah i mean i think it like time and the ability to like pour yourself into you know making a hundred phone calls in two days or something like that to make sure that everyone is showing up at the mm -hmm. proper place at the mm -hmm. proper time to make sure that you know the the picket line schedule mm -hmm. people have signed up for the appropriate things i think that that's a real thing right it's it's almost not even metaphorical it's just energy right uh in terms of like how much energy do the workers participating have and how much can you expect of them mm -hmm. day after day to show up at, you know, 5 a.m. in the middle of the winter with a burn barrel, mm -hmm. like out in the front gate, you know, of a cardboard plant or something mm -hmm. like right, that. Yeah. And the thing that I really liked about this is that your ability to gain energy was from the other workers, other people, other and, people, and allies. Yeah. Yeah. Allies right. and your fellow, and your fellows do you find that's workers. usually the case? Right. Yeah. Like, like it's, it, that is the source in real world. Yeah. I, th I think that's, that's definitely the case, right? Is that as Valentina's energy is depleted, right? Maybe Valentina basically gets a, you know, a day or two off another worker can step in for Valentina, pick up her load so that then she can come back replenished. It's also, as you're 
sort of very clearly laying out, right? Like the more energized we are, the more effective we are as, as strikers or as organizers, maybe loosely speaking. Right. And so it's like, we have to take care of each other. Yeah. And the more we take care of one another, the stronger we'll all be. Which yeah. There's like, a spillover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what do you make of this? I don't know. Dystopian future with no cops. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Drones. But they're not cop drones. They don't really characterize them that way. Because, right? I mean, you would the first thing that you think of in a game like this would be like, okay, where are the police? Mm-hmm. Right? And, and that, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to bring up a conversation about like, should we defund the police or something like that? Right? I'm trying to bring up a conversation about why are they not being portrayed here? Yeah. Because they aren't. I mean, if if they were, they would come up in the commercial break pile because uh, it is the rare strike where the the state, in terms of like its carceral function or you know discipline and and punish function, comes down on the side of the workers. Uh, it's very rare that mm-hmm. the you know usually it's the National Guard or the police being called into Holloway striking workers, right? Because mm-hmm. they're blocking traffic uh, into as like uh, a bus full of replacement workers is trying to get into a facility. Uh, right, right. They call in the police to clear the strike line. Right, because mm-hmm. uh, right, the descriptions on the strike cards here, right? We, we're, we're f- uh, that one's not actually that bad. Uh, right, removing happy court propaganda, mm-hmm. tearing things off a wall. Mm-hmm. Yep. A cop's gonna get called about that, yep. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, march on happy court corp HQ. Mm-hmm. Definitely gonna be yeah. maybe some private mm-hmm. security, but yeah. I would yeah, guess yeah. probably uh, city. There's city gonna be violence. Are there, right? There's gonna be violence because if the police are called in to clear a port that's been shut down, this is one way that that happens, mm-hmm. right? It was the use of force, hopefully non-lethal. Yeah. Right. Uh, but still, it will be the violence will occur, and the state is the interface of that. So yeah, there is one piece, these drones, big piece to this that is kind of missing. I guess that's the workers being taken off the board. Like maybe we're being thrown into jail. Uh, you know, we're being scooped up off the street, and we're doing yeah. like a small bid overnight or a couple of days for defacing property or doing whatever it is that we're doing, occupying yeah. public space, refusing to disperse. But it doesn't really spell that out. How do you feel about that not being feeling like that big of a deal, right? I can get uh, each turn. I had at least one worker come mm-hmm. off the board, at least one worker vanishing as a result of these uh, little cute, sort of cute, sort of dystopian looking. They're kind of cute. Uh, they reminded yeah. us of Lost in Space. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Um, uh, but also the enemy, right, mm-hmm. coming and saying, "No, you can't be here anymore." And, mm-hmm. and I mean, I, I don't get the feeling that I'm being sent home with like a little, you know, care package. These, these workers are basically just disappearing. It's a part of the process. It's a part of the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, you know, in the, the regular sh- like workplace strikes that we see, uh, that level of violence is not present, but it, it has been through history, mm-hmm. sure. a mm-hmm. part of it. The, you know, the confrontation between workers and employers or the ownership class has it's always involved violence yeah the the flip side of that in the game design is that one of our core actions is disassemble so because of the way in which that sort of force of repression appears in the game as the drones and the mega drones 
we disassemble bots. But like I'm having trouble imagining what that core action would be if we were responding to state violence mm. or punitive ma- action from the police. Mm. I mean, without being pretty I, direct. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it yeah. might be something like raise bail funds. And that's why uh, I'm sort of saying like, why, yeah. like, how do we feel about this site, this like mm-hmm. stand in, right? I mean, because mm-hmm. it's almost as if they solved a really nasty problem mm-hmm. of the, the problem being like how do we make a a game about something that does need to deal with the subject matter like let's just set it in the future where there's you know there's no more police because we solved that issue mm-hmm. we don't no longer need to pay people to do that job we can just program robots to do that right right and and it, to tear apart a robot is a little easier to digest around the game table than the, than what that would look like if that was a human being in mm-hmm. that role. Yeah. Has this game made you think differently about this subject in any way? That's a good question. I think my initial response would be no, mm-hmm. uh, that it hasn't really changed uh, much about the way that I think about strikes uh, or striking as an activity. Um, I think what it does do is serve as, you know, uh, a useful reminder of some of the elements of uh, striking that I don't think about that much in my mm. current role anymore. Mm. Like what? Um, kind of the, the various... Uh, kinds of support that workers can give one another um because i think you know as Mm -hmm. a professional organizer uh my focus often ends up on kind of the nuts and bolts pieces in some of like the art and meaning uh sometimes falls out or you know doesn't come as much to my attention. Mm. And I think this game does a a nice job of bringing up kind of those meaningful uh, positives uh, of, you know, what workers do for one another to make something like a strike possible. Mm. I think people working people in general today are, are more ready than ever to kind of take that power for themselves. And I think it's a matter of all of us, figuring out how to push back against the barriers and all of the things that would prevent people from doing that. And so I think just the presence of this game, the existence of it is a, is a good thing. All right. Welcome to Tabletop Takeaways, the section of the show where we reflect on our experience with Strike, the game of Worker Rebellion, designed by Brian Van Slyke and published by the TESA or TESA Collective. Still unsure if that's an acronym or initialism, but either way. Yeah, um, give credit where credit's due. That's right, that's right. Um, so we're going to talk about the game, share our reflections about playing it, about playing it with Chris, and then give it a subject matter score. Yeah, so to begin, meaningful moments. Meaningful moments. Why don't you get the ball rolling? Yeah, you did it last time. Yeah, so. why don't you share your meaningful right. moment, Jordan? Sure. So... I, so I, I'll give a little background here. Yeah. For folks who don't know, I'm not a big fan of co-op games. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, actually, you should say a little bit about that because, yeah, that's a key part of like your player autobiography. Right. Um, and that's something you would bring to this experience that people might not it's know It's kind about. of a running joke. 
We'll yeah. be wandering conference halls, uh-huh. be like, whoa, that game looks awesome. And we'll walk over to it and I'll be like, is this a co-op game? And we'll be like, all right, see you later. Yeah. Well, I'll be, I'll like, be oh, like, still looks cool. Yeah, I'll be like, see you later, <laughs> which is totally unfair. No. A bias I need to get over. Well, well yeah, I mean, sure. And so part of my meaningful moment yesterday was really realizing that I was having a blast playing mm. a cooperative game. Cool. And I want my meaningful moment to be, as always, tied up into the discussion we were having with Chris. Yeah. And he spoke a lot about needing to be cooperative in action, in creating unions, in organizing, and being able to see value in people that you don't always work with, or you don't feel like you have something and you don't share in a lot of, you know, common anything really. Yeah. Yeah. Getting in on that picket line next to shoulder and shoulder with people that you wouldn't otherwise spend a lot of time with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So my meaningful moment was tied up in a mechanic. It it was sort of creating that for me when actually it happened to you. Mm. You realized that within the first few turns of the game that your character... this is so funny. This is what I was going to say for my meaningful moment. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's good. Yeah, yeah. So go on, go on, continue. So, so, you know, your character was going to need to play the game very differently than you had probably Mm -hmm. expected to. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I I guess I should be doing that too. And there were times, especially towards the end of the game, where we were looking at the sort of variable powers, the variable abilities that each of us were given uniquely, right? We had these like special things that only I could do, only Steve could do, only Chris could do. And especially towards the end of the game, we're like, let's just leverage this. Yeah. Let's really yeah. play yeah. this super hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that ultimately, I think, is why we won. Yeah. And we we overcome the challenges. We, we beat the game. And mm-hmm. that was like, wow, okay, cool. Yeah. That, to me, really translated to some of the things that Chris was saying. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was very meaningful. Yeah. So... I will just say that my meaningful moment was basically the same thing, but I can pivot a little bit and mention a couple other things because I think it's fine that we had the same meaningful moment, but it, it speaks to the design of the game sort of holistically, I think, as a co-op game. And also it speaks to, I think, especially I didn't know this until you just shared yours, but it speaks to what I found most enjoyable about the game mm-hmm. and what I liked about it. And so the first phase of this meaningful moment was in those early turns, that moment that you referenced, where I realized, looked at my card and I said aloud to the table, I said, oh, I actually need to sort of lean into the special abilities that are listed on my player card and that is what I can do to help us win. I need to fully inhabit the kind of role that I've been given here and leverage that to the best, uh, you know, the best outcome for the group. And I was playing for context. I was playing the university student, Hamza, whose two powers were solidarity and party. Now, I didn't actually use party very often just because I had trouble keeping my energy levels up that high. But solidarity, um, it sort of translates as like that that special power translates as like a metaphor for sort of morale boosting. And I I guess because it's a student, the idea is that it's like idealism, perhaps, or something Mm -hmm. like this, you know. Uh, and so what I was able to do is, as long as I'm, on my turns, what I was able to do is, as long as I disassembled two drones in a single turn, I could then distribute energy to my teammates, right? And so I could boost their energy levels. I could raise morale as long as I was running around doing this sort of like low-level 
uh, cleanup stuff. So I wasn't really focused on like enacting strikes. I wasn't focused on collecting ally cards, right? Now that did change as the game went on and I kind of fell away from that in the mid game and I executed several strikes because we kind of all had to do that in order to get to 15 points. It wasn't really feasible for any one of us to just not strike, right? Uh, But as you also mentioned, by the end of the game, in that final round of three turns, Mm -hmm. we all kind of fell into naturally or sort of organically maybe, we fell into our assigned roles, leveraged those sort of asymmetrical powers, and we won the game. And it was cool because we couldn't be tempted by a lot of the other things that were going on, right? There was, it was about to fall apart Mm -hmm. and there was so much going on. We could, you could have gone left or right or straight or backwards, but you had, Mm -hmm. but you had to choose the path that matched your character the most. Mm -hmm. You had to assume that point of view, dive into it, and, yeah, and figure it out. And so great. it was meaningful, like on both levels, right? As you referenced as well, because it was meaningful for me because it was like, oh, this co-op system is now working in a way that I'm like seeing and we're mm-hmm. doing it cooperatively. But it also was echoing things Chris had said about, well, he sees his job really as about helping people find a place for themselves in the movement that feels natural, that feels authentic, where they can do something to help contribute to the efforts. Mm-hmm. And so it was sort of like re- reproducing that process for me at the table as a player. And that was really great. So now let's go to unexpected expertise. I mean, this is, this, I mean, I, this is great. So, you know, you're already starting to talk about this, this moment, uh, which is, was a meaningful moment, uh, mm-hmm. but it's when that moment brought out this, or reminded me perhaps of the unexpected expertise that Chris, Chris had been talking about. And actually we started talking about it a little bit more at this point in time where we're drawing these ally cards and different role positions in society were were printed on these cards, yeah, right? Yeah. Like card share, car share drivers, ride share drivers, yeah. Child care support, mm-hmm. um, construct builders or some construction workers. And they were building houses, uh, plumbers or electricians. Yeah, electricians right? sparked the yeah, movement. Right? That was one. Yeah. yeah, yeah so, yeah. so significant roles in our society that keep mm-hmm. the 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 lights on and the mm-hmm. wheels turning mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. There, they you needed to have those cards to re-energize the movement and and have a connection with society, I'm presuming outside of the strike and all this stuff. And what it really highlighted for me, was, which is something that he touched on, was the systems of support and the amount of preparation that goes into something like a strike. Yeah. It's not just a knee-jerk reaction. Right. It's something that is very calculated, oftentimes mm-hmm. very calculated, takes a lot of time, is mm-hmm. in many cases a legal action. Yeah. Right? right. It has it has gone through the checks and balances of the legal process because there are systems that support this yeah. that allow these kinds of things to happen. And you know, he talked about the monetary funds that go yeah. that, strike that, funds, that have yeah. um uh back the 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 time that people are putting into these yeah, things yeah. or you know if you look at the card very literally how if a maybe a child care supporter might not have the the monetary means to support a, a strike but they could say hey you know what while you're out there i'm gonna watch your kid for yeah, you right right you you feel free to drop them off and, and yeah. they can hang out here all day while you're going to do that and that thing. translates in a very real way into actual energy human energy for the movement that yeah. was that was what chris liked about it you know because yeah. there was that energy meter on the player boards and he said no i mean that's literal like that's what that does for you and it yeah. gives you energy yeah. so I, yeah that was that was it that was my unexpected expertise that's a great just kind one. of thinking about yeah. you know wow but, but yeah it's really not just this like thing that 
poured out of the warehouse one day. Right, it's something yeah. that was very thoughtfully created, at least. And is often like a last resort. You know, I think that's the other thing that, that he, you know, to riff off of your your unexpected expertise, the other thing that he mentioned is that striking is like the nuclear option. You know, striking is actually very dangerous and usually bad and, and very um, hard for mm-hmm. workers to go through. Right, so workers don't actually want to strike. Uh, contrary to perhaps popular representations of striking in the media as like a manipulative tactic workers do to hold society hostage, it's actually kind of a desperate last resort that takes a lot of time and effort to come to that decision, yeah. to make that decision. Yeah. So what's yours? My unexpected expertise is very much related to this. It has to do with the idea of a strike and what a strike is and, and why they happen and how they occur. And it was this thing that he mentioned when he was discussing his job and strikes and strike strategy with us called the, the structure test. Oh, yeah. So he mentioned that a, a labor organizer that he has, is familiar with their work um, talks about strikes as being the ultimate structure test. That, in fact, the real business and work of labor organizing in the labor movement is about building connections building allies, building those support networks, leveraging each individual's Mm -hmm. unique abilities to contribute in their own specific way. So that when you have a strike, what you're going to find out is whether or not that structure is strong enough, Mm -hmm. whether or not you've put in the time and energy to build a strong enough, deep enough, resilient, adaptable enough structure. So Mm -hmm. not just like a, a mass structure, not just rank and file big, but resilient, flexible, adaptable, that the strike will tell you, right? The strike is that nuclear option that when you go on strike, it will be a structure test, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I thought that was a really interesting way to think about yeah, strikes, yeah, right? Not sure. as really like a, a proactive thing, but something that if, an eventuality that when it, when it occurs will tell you about your movement. Mm-hmm. It will tell you about how strong it is. Uh, and I thought we saw that play out in the game in some ways. You know, we were forced in that last round of turns where we all kind of leaned into our roles, right? We had made, we had spent an hour preparing a structure. It was and, looking pretty dire. And things were getting dark. And that was the ultimate structure test for us. You know, there were other things at play there in terms of the randomness of the deck. We got a little lucky with some of the commercial break the cards towards end, yeah. the end. And the rolls. And um, the so, dice. So, so the roll of the dice or the, you know, the cut of the green went our way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, you know, we did enough. We did yeah. enough. To, we had learned enough about how we work together yeah to succeed to overcome yeah. the challenge uh, and to to be prepared for any eventuality regardless of it being unknown to us yeah 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 that was great yeah uh, cool so uh, subject matter score our final segment here sub segment within table tabletop takeaways let's do it subject matter score i kind of want to do it like in a new way maybe we could okay do say it at the same time <laughs> okay. And then we can repeat it. Yeah, yeah, that's great. It. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Three, two, one, five. Whoa. Wow. That worked out really well. Wow. <laughs> so, but you know what's cool? We, I, bet we, we have both, di- I bet we have totally different reasons. <laughs> so we both said five. Yeah, we both said five. Uh, so. Cool. Well, all right, great. So our, our your subject matter score is Interesting, five, interesting five, tidbit for the nine. listeners. We also both said yesterday at the table... When we stood up to put it away, yeah. we both said to each other, I know exactly what Actually, score I'm giving this. before we even stood up, yeah. we were like, we're, you had said something like, I don't know what my meaningful moment's going to be today. There's maybe too many or they're too subtle or whatever, mm-hmm. but we are both had us a score already. Yeah, you knew it. Yeah. knew it immediately. Yeah. So, so, um, hmm. so why don't I go? Yeah, okay, good. Okay, so I gave it a five, uh, and there are a couple reasons for this. 
One that has, has to do with the design, right? So we talked a little bit about with Chris yesterday about how the game in some sense is reproducing a very familiar co-op, like it's almost timeless archetypal co-op format that's like a pandemic format, right? Yep. Where I you have, have written down here. four players sitting around the table, they have variable powers, but a shared goal. And there's some sort of automated system and event deck usually that's like spewing out either disease and pandemic. In our case, it was corporate drones, which represented like the ability for them to suppress the movement and suppress worker power. Right. Um, so, in so that's that sense, way yeah. Down. In that sense, you can do that with almost anything, right? You could reskin that basic mechanism to re- to express a lot of different cooperative mm-hmm. scenarios, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like weeds in a garden. Yeah. Right. Know, right. Be, it could we could be, be landscapers. Totally yeah. Like exactly. That, right? Well, he's got the lawnmower and he's got the truck and he's got right. the fuel or right. whatever. You know, he talks to the homeowner. Yeah. Whatever. It yep. could be a landscaping crew. Um, but at the same time, you know, while that that format and that design is very portable. At the same time, strikes as a specific action that we were sort of talking with Chris about what that means and what that looks like, and the sort of types of organizational work that's key to putting together a successful strike as the game wore on began began to feel to me like maybe the, in some ways, the purest or perhaps the most most like exemplary example of that co-op challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Because it really is the whole game of labor organizing is cooperation, right? And, and acknowledging the fact that we all work together all the time, so let's work together for each other, right? right? Let's take ownership of this cooperative function that human beings have as workers, and let's work together to work for each other. Yeah. And so it became for me like a really kind of, I don't know if I would say transcendent, but a really interesting sort of moment where I was like, oh, this is just in some ways the archetypal co-op, but in some ways the archetypal co-op should be a game about like labor and co- Co- cooperating to do something like a strike. Yeah, you know? that's basically exactly what I wrote too. And I'll expand on that by yeah. maybe saying that he seemed to suggest that it was incredibly appropriate, right? That 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 he, that was his first thing out of his mouth. It was like, what are you hoping for in this game? He's like, oh, I hope it's co-op, which it, it was, yeah. right? And and like maybe this is one of the most appropriate examples of a topic that can be explored via co-op yeah. style gameplay that you would not be able to have a movement like this without mm-hmm. cooperation yeah you would yeah. not be able to do the thing that the game is representing without cooperative action yeah and i don't i mean you can mow the lawn by yourself sure. you know, for our random example you could do all mm-hmm. that lawn work right you would do you know, one after the other know, it would you, take you longer but you could do it all yeah, i would argue yeah. that even pandemic right yeah there's been a lot of cooperation but there's been a lot of freaking disagreement yeah, about true. how well, pandemics are handled yeah yeah, yeah for sure. right yeah and so there's, there's been, been a lot of dissonance and noise yeah oh, right yeah. so uh and and i think that to me was just really struck out where this was like i said from the start of this segment cooperation here has been very meaningful it is very tied into mm-hmm. the theme it is very Im- important to telling the story of yeah. this type of thing that we're doing together in yeah, yeah yeah so i think the game captured that really well it did capture the experience of the strikers and what what, it, what a strike demands of you to work together and how you can successfully cooperate as a group of individuals with different skill sets towards a shared goal relying on some outside forces like allies and taking risks. Mm-hmm. So there was also a lot of uncertainty mm-hmm. in the game. Mm-hmm. I mentioned the fact that we got lucky with the shuffle deck, but you're also yeah. rolling dice a lot. I, I, I took it down a notch for those. Um, the yeah. way it, some of the things that were random, mm-hmm. right? The, uh, that uncertainty that we're talking about, mm-hmm. 
the roll of the dice mm-hmm. to place right you roll a die and a robot appears yeah, yeah. right some so it's the where the the sort of countermeasures for this protest appear on the map mm-hmm. is totally random yeah which I, in real life that's not that's yeah not be the it's case. it's not that kind of pure no, risk you take no. calculator risks there right. is a risk but you not it's not yeah. as though um drones are going to just manifest at the university when there had been no organizing happening right there, or right? and and just let it run rampant on some other part of the city yeah. and actually i mean we both sound we're both kind of waxing lyrical about like the beauty of co-op for this particular kind of social phenomena that it's dramatizing and trying to represent but we also had a really rich conversation after the game yesterday with Chris about how maybe a semi-cooperative or a one versus all format could add a little something as well. And I think aside from the portability of the pandemic style game design being a thing to knock it back, this drone system was really the thing that felt like it wasn't as rich. Like we got a really rich sense of like the striker experience and that's what the game's trying to do. So no doubt that's why, right? But we got less of a rich experience or I didn't learn as much, right? I learned a lot from Chris sort of, you know, being like, oh, that that, that um, commercial break, that's like this kind of thing that happens in the real world, right? It's like, oh, okay, so that makes sense. Yeah. But the satirical sort of cyberpunk Happy Corp cards mm-hmm. and the drones spawning around randomly, like totally randomly, as you put it, didn't help me learn more really or communicate more to me about the reality of like the array of instruments at the disposals of employers to subvert union building, to bust unions, mm-hmm. uh, or the sort of different real-life actors that are often called into play in those situations, including law enforcement and the state, which come down against workers, right? Yeah, and the the you mentioned too the the idea of the setting. Yeah, the those strategies would change depending on where you are physically in the city. Right. Right. right? The action at the city hall is not going to look the same as it does right. in the park. Yeah. Right. That's right. one of the things that's flattened in right. the game. Yeah. yeah. No matter of, where you yeah. are, it's always exactly the same. I yeah. guess you could maybe look at the actions that are required from taking certain strikes. Stri- but, but everyone I, has I, at least one of those. We never thought about that. Yeah. Right? Everybody has at least one. And so, yeah. I, yeah. While the cooperative stuff was unbelievably appropriate mm-hmm. for this game, like mm-hmm. really, that I did not appreciate that going into the game Mm. that was a big surprise it was awesome totally appropriate some of the other little detail mechanic stuff Mm -hmm. that were were could be found in any game in any yeah 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 yeah. and i think that point about the board you just made is a really key one right Mm -hmm. because there is no the terrain of the of the labor movement um is totally flattened right. in the game. Um, it's as easy to shut down the port as it is to occupy corporate HQ, which would which would both be very difficult, yeah. actually. In fact, but but would, would in, strategies would be different. They would entail very different strategies and very different responses. Right. Um, the same with you know walking out a dishwasher walkout versus like a, a you know a rally in the park. Right. Right. Those are both more lower stakes as opposed to occupying corporate HQ or shutting down a port, but they're also just very different. But in the game, it's really just where on the map is yep. it that's the only difference yeah cool stuff well i think it, it was it was i i will say that i really enjoyed it i had a great time playing i was really happy that chris uh, sat down to play with us so big thanks to chris weick yeah for if, playing if strike you, with if us if you want to learn a little bit about what it's like to cooperate mm-hmm. in a way that might translate to a you know organized movement of some sort play strike yeah, play strike. The game of worker rebellion. All right, well that concludes this episode of Subject Matter Tabletop. 
Thank you for tuning in. Thank you to Chris Wyke for playing a game with us. Yeah, big thanks to Thank Chris. Thank you to Justin Armstrong again for the music. Yes, and to Taylor McVeigh for the graphic design. And uh, for everybody who subscribes or rates or whatever we decide to do for this <laughs> podcast, I uh, hope you join us next Yeah, see time. you next time. There can be no power greater anywhere beneath the sun Yet what force on earth is weaker than the feeble strength of one But the union makes us strong Solidarity forever Solidarity forever Solidarity forever For the union makes us strong It is we who plowed the prairie, built the cities where...